0: We are This is Sex Love Psychedelics and I'm your host Dr. Cat bringing you psycho sexual conversations that will leave you intellectually turned on and hungry for more Hey lovers I have been on speaking panels about sex and psychedelics for a while now. And one of the things that I love most about these formats is that I get to sit next to individuals who are masters in their craft, whether that's in the clinical world, the spiritual world, or the medical. And because this is so
1: important to have the voices of diversity in thought and culture and craft, because it fosters critical thinking and more whole thinking rather than just the narrow, one-sided, quote-unquote, knowing. There is wisdom to be
0: heard, and we are going to miss it if we only remain in our echo chamber of all the people who are just like us. I believe that there is space for the sacred and the science, and learning to discern for our own selves what
1: feels right for us. And I emphasize this last statement with a big, giant yellow sign, because... We are also in a content-saturated world, and it's important to contemplate the information that we are hearing before we accept it as truth with the capital T. My guest today, Floor Bellini, is a fucking
0: rock star, sharing her experiences from the shamanic perspective and in the work of psychedelics and sexuality. But before we get to Floor, if you're needing support in vetting your practitioners for psychedelics, maybe you don't know what to ask or what to look for. Hopefully this talk inspires you. And if you need more support, I've created a guide for you. The link is in the show notes so you don't have to guess in the dark. Take your time, be safe out there, and listen to your gut reactions. Does your facilitator make you feel on edge? Even if they say
1: all the right things? Then that's not going to be what's going to help you to have your deepest healing. Now to Flor Bellini. Flor is an entrepreneur, a medicine woman and pioneer in the psychedelic world. She's named the corporate shaman by Forbes magazine and she's regarded as one of the trailblazers in the plant medicine world. Also the founder of Nana, a network of support for plant medicine and those who who explore it, enjoy it, (laughs) everything in between. And I have had the honor of speaking alongside of her in two panels, one at the uh, Wonderland Conference on Sex and Psychedelics, and then again at the very dusty Burning Man, also on (laughs) Sex and Psychedelics, in much less clothing, none (laughs) less. Girl, I'm so excited to have you on. I'm excited to talk about this. Thank you for joining me. Thank
2: you. My pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah. And you are rocking it in the big cat energy <laughs> fit right now. I'm like, she like, I-, I might want change. Like, no, 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 never stay in that. <laughs> it is For those of you who are listening to the audio, it's like bright orange and tiger striped. <laughs> I-, I fuck with this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> as fiery as it gets. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I think we can get more fiery. (laughs) More fiery. Which is what we're about to get into. I think this is going to be pretty spicy. (laughs) Because one thing that really drew me to you, I was like, oh, I need to get to know her more. Um, When we were on the panel at Burning Man, and we were talking about sex and psychedelics, and um, you brought up uh, Brian Marasco's work on uh, the immortality key and talking Mm -hmm. about Um, you know, uh, fertility cults and the Dionysus. And I was, and then I was like, oh yeah, and, and then brought in more. And I was like, I think we're going to be friends. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing in the conversation about the ancient cultures and sexual rituals and psychedelics. And that's where I want to start with. You know, uh, I'm most curious here about how you came across the intersection of ancient cultures and psychedelics and, um, sex, like, how did you, how did, how did that land in your lap?
2: I would say it's all Ayahuasca's fault.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <me too. laughs> Blame
2: her. Bless her, bless her. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's been all my, my journeys with Ayahuasca that, um, that she started, um, not only, you know, like, showing me my my path, mm-hmm. but also in doing so, um, showing me how these has been things we, we we have been doing from the beginning of time. So I don't know if that had to do with my resistance to the path that she was showing me that was mine, and I was like, no, 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 this cannot be my path. So over the course of maybe 20 ceremonies, in the course of a couple of years, that she was repeating the same message, she found different ways of bringing this message to me as in why this was my path. And over time, uh, I started increasing the, you know, um, the points that she was making mm-hmm. as why I had to step up when I was kind of, you know, dismissing the message in a way. Mm-hmm. For context, 15 years ago is not what it is today. And, you know, I, I really, It hasn't been an easy path to step up anyway, but I kind of figure you don't escape your destiny, so better you embrace it. It took me a while to get to that point. But over over the years, um, yeah, she was kind of showing me how this is um, the most natural thing that we women have been doing since the beginning of time. How we used to heal with plants and with sexuality and actually how even um, polyamory as a structure, you know, that it used to also be back in the days, you know, kind of even the the celebratory aspect of how we used to gather in tribes and dance to the elements in nature and taking psychedelics. So there there has been a lot of um, my ceremonies that had a lot of emphasis around um, what we have been doing since the beginning of time that correspond to our gender and how my incarnation at this time had to do with bringing to the forefront of humanity, these, these practices that we lost along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that has been the first, uh, you know, like kind of downloads mm-hmm. of all of these. And then, um, as I started deepening into life and my own explorations and moving to India and, you know, they say that India gives you what you need. And, and so for me in that case was, you know, a deep dive into Tantra mm-hmm. and then eventually, um, five meal came, um, to the table when I surrendered to her, I say, okay, let's say yeah. that I hear you, that this is my path. Then. What's next? And mm-hmm. so she guided me into working with five. And then is when I started seeing these correlations, right, yeah. between tantra and sexuality. So yeah, I would I would say that um, it's all thanks to the uh, abuelita.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, and it's, uh, I would say the same for me. It really opened up my eyes at that point. Um, I did a, another episode with Reverend Brianna Lynn where we talk about the eroticism of ayahuasca. And Mm -hmm. she, it, it was like, so I had already been studying Tantra for a few years at that point when I first sat in ceremony with ayahuasca and, and it was the same space that I could enter into a Tantric space of this like rolling energetic orgasm through my body using my own breath and my movement and, and these Interesting, like textural sounds coming out of my mouth, and it was the the highest state of ecstasy (laughs) that I could could have like embodied. It was like, can I hold all of this? And and you can. You learn that you can when you use you know your own body as this container to to move and and um, uh, yeah to move that energy and harness that energy
2: right and, and actually how they are complementary right because um so for instance uh i had my kundalini activation after i started when when i'm already in india and i start practicing tantra for a couple of months and suddenly i'm smoking shilum right like that is kind of this pipe that contain charas that is the hash that the babas smoke in the himalayas and mm-hmm. smoking shilum suddenly like. I started going into temporary state of enlightenment. My whole body started going into construction and it awakened this energy. It wasn't necessarily a pleasurable process. It was actually Mm -hmm. quite painful for how the energy started to move. Um, So much so that eventually it was so intense that I ended up having surgery in India, you know? Uh, Right. But so what I'm saying is like, these are physiological real stuff, but the role of how endorphins, because it was only smoking while smoking that that catalyst experience happened, right? Mm-hmm. So then it 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 it, it naturally um, in my own exploration showed me how they actually go together really well, mm-hmm. and the fact that when we do ceremonies, they put women separate from men. I think that it has to do more with male that are holding the ceremonies not knowing what to do with all that sexual energy that mm. started coming to surface right rather that and so that is like let's just keep them separate mm. but ayahuasca in its own in my own journeys was showing me that actually the highest form of craft that it used to be practiced back in the days had to do with the combination of both manifest into form uh what do say, you mean
1: by that do you mean like mixing the genders or
2: or where mi- mixing uh, uh sexuality with psychedelics so you know like a lot of the current traditions is like let's separate mm, the yeah. genders men on one side women on the other side but that is i i For the insight that I got on what my intuition is, it's just because they don't know how to manage that otherwise. So that's why they separate Mm. rather than it's actually uh, something that interwoven so great. And that in a way kind of became a lot of my path. Um, and maybe that's why she was showing me those things in in the ceremonies over and over again, right? The correlation and the complement that happen with psychedelic experiences to tap into one creative force. Um, it really facilitates this encounter, and if you had a trauma. Uh, sexual trauma, it would bring it to surface mm-hmm. for you to, you know, work on it and release it. Um, and if you don't, it would connect you with these forces in a different way that you may have never encountered it before, mm-hmm. right? And um, and then serving medicine, eventually, the the decade later, it was to o- observe these across the board. When I was serving 5MEO and doing it in private ceremonies, you know, in progressive dosing and seeing that this was something that was repeating um, for everyone that I was serving now. And so, yeah, I I think that this is not something very much talk about. Yeah. uh, Right. Um, But in my own personal exploration and in my own private practice is Mm -hmm. a common denominator um that i've seen over and over again so yeah that is kind of part of my passion and also what we are bringing to market with yeah. is yeah. you know the the importance of understanding your sexual energy uh, as your life force and how to circulate it um, is essential for mental health and well-being And understanding that not knowing how to deal with that is at the root of most of the mental disorders we have today. You may be diagnosed with depression or anxiety or such, but then when you start digging, what really comes as that repressed memory that is creating the issue tend to be some form of sexual trauma or different form of um, addiction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or
2: perversions.
1: Sure. Well, and, and from my perspective of, of being a therapist in it too, it's like, you know, I'm I'm reminded that depression is a suppression of the, the emotions or the um, somatic movement or the expression that needed to live and move through us, right? Emotions are just momentary expressions of our internal state or what we need. And the suppressing of that causes a depression in us it takes a lot of energy to manage or to suppress something and so if as we're talking about um as you mentioned this life force energy life force energy is nervous system health it is it's vibrancy it's expression and if we are suppressing and then we're going into depression then th- that impacts our vitality impacts our life force energy
2: Hundred percent, and also too like the lack of meaning in life, right? Like, why am mm. I here? What is this for, right? So I think that the psychedelic has this catalyst power on two ways, right? Like, kind of the mystical experience and the psycho-spiritual integration. That you know, in my case, I was agnostic, so it kind of and and it kind of I understood faith with my head. Maybe before I did ayahuasca, but it still <laughs> was a concept in my sure. mind, right? And so suddenly tapping into these when you are one with everything, right? Address, I think that underlying issue that we all have is like, what, why am I here? Unless you yeah. grew up with a very religious background at home, life make not much sense, right? And mm-hmm. suddenly, psychedelics solve that by plugging your soul to the power for the first time and it's like, right? you never see life again in the same way, right? Um, But that is also coming at the same time. It's like, is this content people would always ask like, what was that energy? Mm
0: -hmm. Well,
2: that energy is is your sexual energy, Mm -hmm. right? It's the most potent energy in the universe. That's where life comes from. And then when you look at how can that be a scene, in the western world mm-hmm. right um and so kind of to be um that our natural life force is a scene and create a conflict internally right regardless of the um of the framework that you grew up you know of guilt of that it cre- it messes you up in the head how you manage to deal with this? Because to want to touch yourself as chi- as a child is the most natural thing, yeah. right? And when you start creating negative connotation to what is your human nature, it create a lot of um, conflicts at the level of the mind, the emotion, and also the the spirit, and therefore the body, right? When it used in that somatizing, um, that it's it's something that. Um, We see a lot. Uh, And and I think that now, you know, it's kind of 2000 years later from the institution of the church and kind of it was when Jorge Bergoglio became Francis first that ayahuasca was now, which excuse you have not to do your work? And it was in that context in 2013 that I was like, okay, she's not joking with this. This is real. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to step up, but my background is in politics, in the same political body that the Pope was uh, the arzobispo of of Buenos Aires. And he has a background in chemistry and he tried ayahuasca on his thirties when he was in exile. um, The Pope? That is... Yeah. Wait. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which one? So I, Which one? Uh, Jorge, uh, Francis first. Okay. Jorge. His real name is Jorge Bergoglio. He was the Arzobispo mm-hmm. of Buenos Aires, and you know we were in the same political party, and this is something that I knew, uh, or that that was that not not that directly I didn't serve him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. When he was in exile on the 30th and you know he has uh, many friends that are practitioners and such, and, and then ayahuasca that was kind of. The, the final one that she's like now, nah? which is you have. And I was like, whoa. So mm-hmm. I think that having a revolutionary like him sitting as the biggest religious leader of the Western world mm-hmm. is because maybe now is the time to help redefine. Or that is what she showed me, that mm-hmm. it was my part um to help redefine which are ancestral medicines and which are drugs. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he he kind of has to dismantle a bomb. Um, Because, as you can see, pedophilia that is happening inside the church, right? And also we see it across the world with the trafficking and the movement, right? At the same than Me Too, right? These are the two main issues that mm-hmm. we are dealing with sexual trauma and sexual abuse, and and that is what happened. Yes, pedophilia can be. It is the aftermath of repressing your sexual energy yeah. all your life. Do you think that that is not gonna have a consequences? Are not bad people? These are sick people because of going against your human nature your entire life. It's gonna fuck you up. And so I think that that is what we are starting to see now yeah you may have created these two thousand years ago but these are the consequences that it has across Mm -hmm. the world a Mm -hmm. mental health epidemic when you are forced to go against your nature a call a scene Mm -hmm. what is your life force and where we come from
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and it makes it even more challenging like anytime we think about Uh, aspects of ourselves that we put into the shadows or we put into, you know, we exile from ourselves, we separate, separate from ourselves. We now lose, uh, we don't have conscious awareness of the parts or we are um, not in conscious control of those parts. And so they're ruling us, they're impacting our, our um, patterns and it seeps out, it leaks out in these unconscious ways and often harmful ways rather than, bringing the conscious awareness of, okay, here's what I need to do to come into health or come into, um, you know, more control over my own patterns and and um, um, resolving the intensity of urges or that kind of thing. With any, you know, I think shadow of um, sex and psychedelics, right? Because you were saying this was something that was a part of the culture. It was a part of ancient culture. It was a part of of, the, of everyday tradition or, you know and um, religious traditions. And now that's gone underground and see what happens when it's underground, it's, it's more likely for harm or abuse to occur. And same with sex.
2: But that went underground because we women as a gender went underground for the institution of the church. That is right. like the, the father, the son, the holy spirit, and where the fuck is the mother? <laughs> You're and so <laughs> and so all the, the the tools that we used to heal that were mm-hmm. the direct ways of accessing source mm-hmm. were demonized when we went down. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: what I'm saying. Like when you put things underground, you lose the 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 control, or you learn you lose the um, the ability to work with it in a conscious way. It's out of your it, it it's it's more likely to seep out in harm than it is when we have conversations openly, like what we're having, or you know, being able to talk about it in the mainstream and then the culture around around it. Now we can bring more safety, and we can bring more. I guess healing and support, rather than um, if, than if it were secret or taboo or or kept underground.
2: But see also the cons, the devastating consequences that it had to these connectors from having our direct experience of the divine, because kind of these institutions are like, come through my kiosk, I'm gonna do the talking for you. Mm -hmm. when back in the days you were having that conversation directly and so it's very interesting now psychedelics the psychedelic renaissance is -hmm. bringing this opportunity back you are doing the talking directly with the divine right Mm -hmm. and it is uh for what i understand the way of the earth of you know uh reaching out with making the plants come back to the forefront to help us, you know, potentially not extinct ourselves, because in the trajectory that we are going, having disconnect ourselves so much of who we are is our own extinction. We became like a plague to the earth, devastating everything, including ourselves. But we are supposed to be the most evolved species on Earth. Right. Um, those are like, I think, the paradox. And at the same time, um, I think that, you know, just to introduce psychedelics, you know, at scale is gonna is opening up these Pandora box where mm-hmm. sexuality and all the issues around sexuality are starting to come to surface at the same time. You may not experience it so much with ketamine. Uh, or mdma you know like kind of the chemical more mainstream and kind of lesser compounds but when you start taking some more hardcore serious entheogens, they the accessing into these memories and in is like it, it's kind of inevitable right so we've seen this more in the underground working with serious compound i think that you know the overground of psychedelics still haven't seen much of that um well in mdma when you see most of the post traumatic stress disorder um more than half is sexual trauma where that yeah. post traumatic stress disorder come from right um but when you are working with antiogens um that is the beauty of the mechanism of action of the antiogen. they will dig and bring what is that original root that is creating all your disorders to the surface and so one if you want to deliver curative therapies you cannot avoid the sexuality piece you know um, and how the sexuality piece affect the mental health or create comorbid or chronic disorders. You know?
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. And, and I also want to, you know, I don't want to segment these, these um, the medicines as I think oftentimes I, I get into these conversations where there's a hierarchy of, of medicines more natural versus the chemical. And, and in my, uh, the work with the clients that I've done and the work that I've um Uh, that I really feel strongly about is seeing the the space for all of these as their own unique um, whether you want to call it spirit or texture or qualities that they each provide I've seen some incredible work and and things arriving in in the work that I've done with the ketamine um, that I think often gets a stigma around, you know, around it being a party drug, but in the clinical setting and bringing in all of these um, ritualistic elements to the work that I do, it's it's really profound.
2: Ketamine is such a novel compound. It's very novel because um, first of all, artificially, you know, turns off, your default network, the monkey mind, right? So for someone that is a beginner, it's a wonderful introduction into the space because it doesn't give you the fear, the vertical that real entheogens give you, right? It's a completely, it's not as scary, one can say. And also it's a great mood preparation agent to get into more serious compound, right? Like if administrating 5MEO DMT, so scary compared with K, right? So what I'm referring is like the K in itself is kind of soulless compared to the spirit that you get in the Antiogens. But for example, when you combine it, with THC, after you are on the K and you combine it with the THC, oh, wow, the theogen of the THC brings soul to the soulless K without the fear and the vertigo. So it blends so well, the K also with MDMA, the K also with mushrooms, right? How it helps calm the mind before getting into Bigger experiences that are more challenging in nature. You see what I'm saying? So, seeing how they dance together. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. How it and, and how important it is to create the set in the mind to have that peace. So, now, for instance, I've been a naturopath all my life and I only try ketamine when it started to be used of of label. I'm like, well, I guess I have to learn. But I got to my first intramuscular of ketamine after hundred ceremonies of all the endogens there were to be mm-hmm. made. And I, I thought the same. I thought it was like cocaine, you know, I saw a lot of addiction and I I thought I, I judged it and I was yeah. wrong. Um, it has high potential of addiction, but it's the first addictive thing that I've seen that is good for you, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it truly is. Um, And so now, for instance, now before giving you 5-MeO, I give you ketamine first. So the ketamine help you to get halfway there artificially. And when you're picking on the K, I give you the five. And so you go with no resistance Mm. because no mind wanna die. The role of the ego is to want to keep you here. So it hold like a cat, no matter how enlightened you are, right? Mm. And th- that's what I've seen over and over again. So, to the the, the mechanism of action of ketamine is phenomenal, um, and also it's short acting. You know, take you there, and it blend incredible when you mix it with any other. So, combination compound is like also part of um, some of my fascinations nowadays. Yeah. How you can you can blend them uh, together, and yeah. so let's say let's say ketamine, or, or or you can also do, let's say, first MDMA, right? Then you follow by ketamine. So the MDMA open the heart, the ketamine open the mind, and then you activate that with THC and you bring soul to the two soulless compounds. That combo bring you to a temporary state of enlightenment, similar to the place that you get to mm. with 5-MeO, in small dose, right? So there is a lot to to play with chemical compounds activated with, with antigens.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's an interesting perspective to say that they're soulless because that hasn't been my experience of it at all. Um, I, I find that they have their own spirit in a sense, their own, you know, Element of aliveness and um, in there too, um, but I, I also think everybody has different experiences with with each of these too. When you think of you know some of these compounds, and it's so beautiful to hear how how you've seen them dance together and support each other in their own unique qualities. Um, when we're thinking about again, we're bringing this conversation to the forefront, talking about it rather than keeping it taboo. How do we also support the safety of this this growing movement or this growing conversation? Because these are very powerful compounds and they're, like you said, they're complex. And so we we don't want to go forward with this lightly. We want to honor the reverence of them. So how would you you describe that?
2: Well, my motto is you are your shaman. You heal yourself, you know? And so you do you and progressive dosing take you very far so or at least that was what I was when I resisted ayahuasca was like serve how you would like to be served and this was in the context of being constantly brutally overdosed and Mm -hmm. so I understood that it's not for you to decide what is my dose. It's for me to decide what mm-hmm. is my dose. Mm-hmm. Right. And I and I think that uh and I've seen and, and so I started developing my practice based on that, you know, I introduce you with a compound tiny and based on that, you decide how much more you want to go. I'm not going to shoot you and push you into, you know, a rocket if you are not ready to go, because then you are going to have a post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. And, and so I think that The safety is to understand that you have the power, that you set the boundaries, that you set the dose and just go slowly, slowly. And you you can, you know, it's better to ease the ego into than to punch it in the face Mm -hmm. with a heroic dose and practitioners that do that maybe it's because they don't want to put the time Mm -hmm. to take you slowly because it takes more time and they just want to do it and so these are not people that you want to sit down with Mm -hmm. right um these are like the most profound experiences you are going to have in your life who the fuck says that i'm a shaman Mm -hmm. you know and so my you know these my, my approach or like the solution we're bringing with Nana after working on a decade and observing this is that you are your shaman, you heal yourself, and we are providing the roadmap for you to step into your own hero's journey and transform your life. And, you know, you design your way What with what resonates. These medicines give you the insight of what's going on so we just we are guiding people through the process um introducing this co- concept of progressive dosing we women don't serve bombs the heroic dose as a standard mm-hmm. dose is fundamentally wrong yeah that was said in the 60s by you know like you're irrespectful if you don't do a heroic dose it's like no it, it's, yeah that's that's not correct And it's shown with the, you know, amount of post-traumatic stress disorder. You don't need to go from zero to 100 in one time. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not about crossing or, you know, men are the providers, are the protectors. So their nature is to go strong. We Mm. women are the maternal. So this that is the difference of how a woman naturally progressive dose and how a man, because of the gender is just designed to give you a bomb. And that is, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I i I totally agree with you. It's like what are we chasing when we're trying to give these these macro doses, but there's so much power that happens with micro dosing or or these smaller amounts that give give just enough energy elevation or it opens our mind just enough. And it's, it's even closer to our, it's closer <laughs> to our everyday state. So it's easier to integrate something like that. Um, you, you aren't blasting into another stratosphere.
2: <laughs> exactly. Because, mm-hmm. I, and, and that is a part is like, you know, with, with 5 meal when I started serving,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I was the first woman to do so. And at that time, the standard dose was 100 milligrams, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you are not assessing the person Mm -hmm. if they believe in God, if they don't. Like, You are shattering all of that. How that person is going to integrate for them, the only objective of these Mexican Germans was for them to cross. And then they would never pick up the phone in whatever problem you had when just coming down, of, right? And so it's Mm -hmm. like... (laughs) Who, whoa it, it's important to understand that you can go slowly slowly up to where because it's too much there is no mm-hmm. god then there is a god you are god in five minutes and then good luck talk <laughs> therapy with someone 300 bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah know? yeah how yeah. do you make sense of that yeah <laughs> and 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 also it's like so that's why you don't and, and in a way, that at that time, because I I would go myself to harvest medicine, there was no commercialization of the substance, and it was the whole thing was like, how much are you? I'm serving you to see how much are you. That mm-hmm. is not how you go to God. Yeah, you know. And and I think that ayahuasca kicked my ass so strongly that I had to step up on, particularly on that compound because it was kind of. Retarded that the most incredible compound was served in the most drastic way. It was a rape, really, mm-hmm. you know, rather than you smoking yourself into enlightenment.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It was that contradictory, you know. um So I could see her point, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, definitely, I can do mm-hmm. something better than that. And yeah. And so you are your shaman, you Mm -hmm. heal yourself, you decide where you're at, where do you want to get, and you go. And that is the main thing we are empowering people with at Mana. You know, if it doesn't resonate, don't let someone determine it. You cannot generalize anything with psychedelic, only personalized medicine works.
1: Yeah, 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 I agree. And, and it's to remember we might be, we're divine, but we're in a human body and the human body has limits and the human body and the mind, you know, so we just want to, how important it is. Like you're saying this titration or this, this coming on, it's like allowing yourself to um, unfold like a flower versus like rip the flower
2: petals off. I don't know why that popped yeah. into my head but there it is but, be, but beautiful and beautiful analogy yes yeah
1: you yeah know? Yeah. Um tying this all back to because you've referred multiple times to women serving you know the feminine um serving and we had started the conversation with some of these ancient cultures and bringing and and the um the use of psychedelics and sexuality what were some of the cultures that inspired you or that you've learned from your own research or from your own um trainings
2: well actually no. what what inspired me was um on my in my ceremonies um i started as i started on this process i started calling my girlfriends that were like you know badass is doing professionally whatever actress lawyers this and that and i would ask them like would you hold space i normally do private but some cases when i would do groups and i would put each of my girlfriends to angel each person and I observe that every woman would do exactly the same that I would have done. Mm. You know, I started in my own exploration. I started like noticing, like we women would always do the same. Or even when we will take medicine together, our bodies would move in the same way. So it was mm. more, more than like researching back. It was more Start implementing that in doing the work on my everyday. That I started to notice that we women get it right away. That the maternal instinct gives you these kind of companion. technology that you know exactly what you do that you don't put sexuality out of place that you know what to do with fear that you know you naturally progressive dose, that people feel more comfort I was saying that they are nervous with a woman than with a man and so uh, as I was starting to serve I started empowering my sisters and sharing like hey you know take take the baton keep on you know serve and so uh Looking back now, I think that there is more women serving five than men, right? Mm-hmm. But it was more uh, the observation uh, within my 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 community rather than really going back on time um, to do that kind of research.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so even to think about um, as as you're recognizing the innate. Wisdom that's come from your girlfriends, your colleagues, in these spaces. How would you, how would you translate some of those experiences that you saw to for um, women or individuals in modern day to be able to to carry that wisdom? So whether they're in a psychedelic experience or not, like what what are some of these that you've noticed?
2: I think that the beauty of um, of humankind is that once you heal, you go into service, you go into impact, mm-hmm. you know, like um, I haven't seen people that turn it around, you know, from minus 10, I cannot wake up from bed to zero, I don't qualify more for the condition mm-hmm. and then just stay there. They go plus 10, you know, they become a force of change. They step up, they change their career. They bring all the people they love. They start helping. You become a a, a practitioner, you know, like kind of to the AA model of being a sponsor of people that are going through the same thing you've been through. Oh, mm-hmm. you start raising money. Like in different ways, you become an environmentalist. You go into impact. Mm-hmm. Um, there is... there is this arc you know as you heal you go into impact you go into service and and i think that that's that's What makes me so hopeful of now being able to bring this solution at scale? Because what we've seen in the on the ground is that people can heal themselves. It is a lot of work. You have to be a warrior, but you have the power. You are your shaman. You heal yourself. And as soon as you heal, you go and you wanna, you know, and you really make an impact in the world. Mm -hmm. This has been over and over again. And it's the best antidepressant as well, Mm. you know? Yeah, you you go and you you give what help you. You go and you bring it to the people you love. It's a it's a human thing. I haven't seen um someone that does not do that as they mm-hmm. heal.
1: Yeah, there's an innate part of us that both has its own inner wisdom towards and drive towards healing, and once healing, uh, continuing to heal surroundings. Yeah our environment yeah. yeah community and
2: our and our own body has right. disability right yeah. of homeostasis and this. and so when we create like and i think that psychedelic help us get the memo of oh okay mm-hmm. and just start you know going in that transformation mm-hmm. so yeah that's um
1: in our um uh, somatic trauma therapy we talk about how you know, this innate wisdom model. And it and it occurs when we're in an environment that is conducive for healing, as in it's safe, it's held, it's, it's you know, you're not in the environment of the trauma or of the, um, of the distressing experiences you are. And so I think this, you know, the model that you're describing is, yeah, a held space allows you to heal and do what you need to do to find that that healing space
2: and and that is um such a it's like we delegated our healing to doctors right like mm. the doctor come and tell you what is wrong with you and you just go home this very paternalistic kind of thing but the reality is that also just doesn't work there you never cure right you're just a consumer so i think that the the this is more like the maternal way, you know, of empowering your child to step up and, you know, to do the best he can. And so that is what I think psychedelics is It's kind of, it, it requires a different approach. Um, you have to stand up. For yourself, you know, it does this mm-hmm. reconnection with oneself of waking you up, right? Of taking you out of your ego and realizing that there is so much more to life mm-hmm. than being in your head. And mm-hmm. and the sexuality piece comes as the other big thing that as sexologists, not necessarily really address, right? There is not the same hierarchy of the mind uh, with the heart. And a cardiologist is not really addre- addressing the function of the heart, right? And also our cervix is not something, you know, like I think that the whole Western system hasn't understand some basics of the human body. And so it's up to us to find our own, resources to explore um and i think that that's maybe where our passions lies but it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see that you know cervical cancer is one of the leading causes of cancer in developing countries for women and it's a it's our highest form of orgasm but until very recently doctors would cut it because they thought that it had no function yeah so that is how far we are right especially for women of understanding what heals what kills you know what our what are our, our, our power zones you know the womb as for a woman is is our magic organ where we create life and most of the diseases we have come from not knowing how to use that magic tool we have been given properly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you are somebody who's cultivated your intuition. Like you you can already tell, like you're, you are able to make decisions based on what feels really right in yourself. And for many people who seek out psychedelics or th- seek out therapy or seek out, you know, plant medicine for support, um, have past experiences of trauma, which can impact the clarity of discernment or the cl- the difference between, is this my intuition or is this my fear? And so it, 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 what I've seen is yeah, we can make decisions on partners and we can make decisions on on things that may not be healthy or safe for us and as you're encouraging individuals to you know use their intuition or use their their own uh, their own discernment how do you support people who are still in the space of their discernment hasn't quite uh um actualized or hasn't quite grown grown strong yet
2: I use divination in all its possible way divination is uh, Every religion has a form of divination. Yeah. I'm actually what ayahuasca sent me to school because I, when I was like, okay, and now what I say, I'm a shaman. And mm-hmm. I, she's like, go <laughs> to school. And so she sent me to initiate in into Africanism, into IFA, mm-hmm. that is the most ancient divination system in the world, a binary code that has 256 symbols where Aichin come from. So you not only have Ifa, Aichin, the runes. Uh, you could also do tarot cards, less uh, the most imperfect would be tarot, but they are like the pendulum. They're like many different ways of divination that one can use to have something external to you to verify what you are saying. And for me, that was a, in my own journey, it was a great tool to verify that I was, what I was seeing in my journeys was factual. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in the case of if I has a, an oscillation of 256 symbols, so it can give me a fuck yes, mm-hmm. you know, the highest sign yes. So when I asked, shall I take fiber meal to the US? And you know, I got the highest sign yes. So I was like, okay, so these resemble. So to have an external tool to verify, and especially if you are deciding to connect with someone before you exchange fluids, it's very important to have these check, right? Because also then it create a different level of um, entanglement, mm-hmm. right? But 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 in a, in in anything in life, I think it's important to have an external tool to verify also your that you are not in ego, that you are not in your head, that there is something, you know? So then you make solid steps. I check my protocols with my divination, right? Like, and so that everything, really, every time. And this is from the beginning of time. This is how um, it comes from Jurva, from Nigeria, where, you know, humanity and democracy started. And it used to be how kings the religions of kings, how they would take the, make decision. It wasn't just at the level of the mind. They would consult with higher intelligence when they needed to make important decisions for the community, right? Um, and so that is what I use in my daily practice. Uh, next to my computer, I have my divination plate. And there are different ways in which people can access these divination tools either train themselves into or go to different um, diviners, priests that can do that for you if, if you don't want to learn the craft or just as simple as having runes or learn to work with a pendulum, or with a tarot uh, deck, you know? There's yes. nothing aleatory in the universe. There is nothing random in the universe. That's why divination work and mm-hmm. the guard that you will choose there's a reason why you're choosing that card and not something else.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is beautiful to really expand the, you know, conversation of, of what's possible for us, what's accessible to us, and what um what you know, what we can turn to for the support along this healing journey that is infinite and forever and <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and, and using uh we are looking to start working with marianne Marianne costa that is one of the uh, world leader tarotist mm. and for her to include you know help us include in, in nana when it comes to spirit how you use tarot as a self-knowing tool yeah. you know it's so important to you know regain all and so these would be like the first main like right uh, craft <laughs> sex and plants you mm-hmm. know are the three ways of connecting with the divine and they all intertwine beautifully for you yeah. to find your destiny and you know yeah in this life
1: yeah well thank you so much Flor. this is such an enlightening beautiful conversation to have with you where Thanks. can our audience find you
2: my website is uh, Florencia Bolini or Flor Bolini. Um, nanahills.com is uh, the company website, and Instagram is Flor Bolini, and the Nana Instagram is Nanahills.
1: Yeah, definitely follow her. I'm going to be deeply connected with you <laughs> and I'll be seeing you probably at the next sex and psychedelics panel if I'm being <laughs> perfectly honest and we're going to look fabulous yeah thank you so much for coming on pleasure
0: well that was fun thanks for tuning in lovers and if you want to experience more ecstasy and sexual liberation head over to sexlovepsychedelics.com and learn about how you can join me for any one of my online or live events. And while you're there, grab my free guide on sex and psychedelics. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider and local law before pursuing any of the products or psychedelics discussed. And one final note here, I make this show specifically for you. If you're loving the show, then be sure to leave me a review in iTunes or Spotify to let me know. Happy to be here and happy to serve. I'll see you next time on Sex, Love, Psychedelics.